Dexter Stucky presents Industry Friends. Welcome to another edition of Industry Friends. I'm your host, Dexter Stuckey. Super excited to be here today. My guest is one of my good friends, Mr. Jairo Hanel. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. De- yep. Guys, I've been practicing his last name because this is kind of go- this kind of goes into my personal story. Actually, you guys know every time I start I start a new edition, I give a personal story about how I know the guest if I actually know them. And with Jairo, I've known him for at least eight years at this point, maybe even longer than that. Mm-hmm. And I always called him Jairo Escobar because, like, that's his name on social media. Like, that's I'm pretty sure you introduce yourself to me as Jairo Escobar. So, like, that's always been his name. So I was talking to someone. They were like, oh, I was like, oh, I know somebody who works at um, Westchester. And they were like, oh, who is it? I'm like, oh, his name is Jairo. They were like, oh, Jairo, what's his last name? And I said, oh, Escobar. And they're like, I don't know who that is. And I just kept saying, like, no, he definitely works there. Like, he totally <laughs> works there. And they're like, what does he do there? And I said, you know, he works in the multicultural department. Like, And they're like, no, 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 that's not him. That You're talking about Jairo. And then they said Jairo Hanau. And I'm like, oh, that's a different name. <laughs> 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 Why did you, what made you go change it to, like, Escobar? Or go by Escobar. It's crazy because I didn't want to always put my whole full name on Facebook. Um, and that, that's where it started. I, I changed my name to Hyro Escobar on Facebook. Cause by birth, my name is Hyro Hanel. Mm-hmm. But me being Colombian, everybody always like, oh, do you, are you, re-? one of the questions that always came up in high school um, was, are you related to Pablo Escobar? And I'm like, absolutely not. But I love the last name Escobar. I had no association with the man. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not a. You're not trying to claim that. I don't claim him or, you know, I don't believe in what he did and stuff like that. Um, although people have their different opinions on him being a good guy and, and other people thinking he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was a cool last name. So I changed my name to Hyro Escobar on Facebook. And then my sister got on Facebook around that time. This is like, I'm telling you, this is back in high school. Uh-huh. Right before. Well, I, I got Facebook. It's funny because I was just talking to my cousins about this, that I got Facebook when we had to use a college ID. And I was hype. Um, this is like 2007. I was hyped that I can finally get a Facebook, and I felt cool because I had a college ID. Not everybody could get a Facebook yes, at that yes. time. They, they were still in MySpace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I like made the list. Like I'm, I'm the cool guy on Facebook. And so I, I did Hyro Escobar. Never really put my last name on there. And then my sister got on Facebook a couple of years later when it was her time to go to school, and. She, I told her, I was like, you should make your last name Escobar. And so she did. And so now that we both had Hyro, Esco- I mean, Hyro and my sister Rosie Escobar um, online, it just stuck. Yeah. And then every time that I put something up, like a degree or a photo um, or anything that had my name on it, I would blur out my last name. So nobody really even put together that makes sense. blah, blah, blah. But up until other people would then has, I mean, tag me on something, they'd be like, Wait, your last name is not Escobar? And I'm like, no, my <laughs> last mean? name is Hanel. And they're like, I never knew that. I was like, I never really, I don't go around telling people this is my last name, but it was just something that stuck. Yeah. Um, and then I went with it on Twitter. I went with it on, on, on Instagram. And I still, hi, Escobar. Like, if that was my last name, I'd, I'd love it. I think it fits well. Because um, nobody really knows how to pronounce my last name or yes. spell it. Um, and it my took fir- me a while. Yep. <laughs> and my first name is already hard to pronounce. So, yeah, that's make, where it came made from. made it easier. Yep. Now, there's something about Westchester University. Like, there is like this, I don't want to say a cult, but there, it's something about it. Because, like, so my fiance went to Westchester University as well, which is how I know Hiro. And there's some things that you guys have very similar, which I see is like a thing with Westchester University students. So, one, um, you guys both went to Westchester for your undergrad, but then turned around and went there for your master de- master's degrees. Mm-hmm. Then also that name thing. 
So like on Facebook, she never put her actual name on there. Like she has like something else as as her name on on Facebook. And I remember her telling me that there was like this. Somebody came to the school one day and they talked to you guys about um, being safe on the internet and not putting your your real last names and stuff like that on there. So I would when she told me that, I got so scared. I'm like, oh well, maybe I shouldn't put my full name what? on there. Yeah, I don't remember that. And I, it, she said it was like a. I forget, like maybe it was like something in her major, like a class or something. Mm. They came in and talked to them, and they were like, you know, just because people steal your identity and you're putting so much information out there. So, like, she's never really had her full name on Facebook. So, like, when she said it, I was like, oh, okay, like, let me do that too. So, I changed the spelling of my last name. Mm. So, in, instead of S T U C K E Y, I did S T U C K E. It's still Stucky, mm-hmm. but like, and now when people like write my name and they don't put the Y on there, I get so upset. I'm like, that's. That's not my name. <laughs> well, I never even thought about that. I never even heard that. Um, I know, but it's funny that you bring that up because it's like I feel like there's a lot of people from Westchester that I know that I graduated with or is there now um, that don't have their real name on there. They mm-hmm. might go by the name. And it's funny because I think when we were in college, everybody went with that with that um, their Facebook name. Like you were known for your Facebook name. Yes. And so till this day, there's some people that. I know, and I'm not gonna say their names on here because I was like, whatever. But there's people that I know who have a, who don't have their real name on Facebook, but are known by their Facebook name. Yep. And so, I'll like an example. I'll I'll say like somebody's name could be like their real name could be Dexter um, Michael, but if they have like Dexter Mike, you'll be known as Dexter Mike yeah, because you, of your Facebook. Yeah, because that's what people. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's funny because we all. It's to the point where people have their name saved as their Facebook name. So, like, I know I'm, I'm on and people's phones as Hyrule Escobar. There might be people out who have their name saved as Dexter Mike and stuff like that, and it's just kind of decent. Well, I don't know if it's decent, but I think it might cool be a cool thing. Because, like, I always call myself, like, I always come up with these nicknames and stuff for myself. I call myself, like, Dexter, Dex the One, and stuff like this. And when people actually call me that, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it kind of feels, like, respectful a little bit because, like, this is something that I chose right. to go by and you decide to like entertain me with that and do that for me and i think it's weird too because it's like at times there are places that i go out with friends and i'll instead of saying my whole name hyro like starbucks mm-hmm. like i'm never gonna go to starbucks and say my name is hyro because they're gonna butcher you know it. they're gonna butcher it and yeah. they're not gonna spell it right so i'll say jay and then my friends will take offense to me saying my name is jay they'll be like jay <laughs> that name. is not your name when did you start going by jay i'm like well i could say hyro but they're never gonna get it right starbucks. they're like well how about escobar and i'm like well that's not really my last name and i'm just like that's a long name to, to spell out on a cup yeah. So Jay, and it's like they take more offense to it than I do, mm-hmm. and it's funny because then I I used to go to work and I would like um, people who I know can't spell my I mean say my name blah blah blah, they would be like I would say Jay and they're like why don't you tell me your name is Hyro and then up until like a couple years ago I just started telling people um, to call me by my real name my my full name but not Jay it's yeah. like I mean culturally it's like there's other names out in the world that people are easily able to pronounce and it's like my name shouldn't be that hard and there's a good meaning behind my name because a lot of people don't realize that Hyro in Spanish translated Hyro is tra- uh, means God enlightens and okay. so you know there's some stuff behind it that people don't know there's some research you can do on it as far as that I haven't done it yet but I know that and so I'm just like, I got to stop letting people call me Jay. But when it comes to, like, ordering stuff, it's going to be Jay. Yeah, I mean, it makes it simple. Exactly. It's funny that you say that, too, because one of your biggest passions is diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you just said that you think it's important for people to know and say your your name and what it is because because they so easily know other people's last names Mm -hmm. and you can pronounce it. Like, 
like the Italian language is not the easiest to kind of understand right. or whatever, but we, we have no issues when these people put their names out saying their names. Like We right. have no issue with that. So I, I totally agree with you with this. So I was watching Saturday Night Live yesterday, and it was a repeated show. I forget what who whose episode it was, but they were doing a spinoff on Ambassador Janovich. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the name, and I'm just like, I know that name is not something that is easy to remember or to say quickly. But the fact that I know how to say Janovich without even having to think about it twice is like, mm-hmm. if you can say Janovich, you can say Hyro. Like, yeah, it's not that hard. Point. So um, I always try to reference my name with hiero and hieroglyphics and things like that or high, wave high, row, row um, when it comes to it. But, yeah, typically I'm like, if you can say Yanovich, you can say hiero. Like, I'm not trying to hear that. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now, um, with this episode, there's a couple of things I want to touch on. Like, I, I, you worked at Westchester University. You were the associate director of the Office of Multicultural Affairs. And you left that position. And then I want to talk about that a little bit. I also want to talk about what you did in the meantime, because I think that's very important. And then lastly, I want to talk about what you're getting ready to do. Mm -hmm. So let's just start off right away. Like, how did you get into the um, Office of Multicultural Affairs? So what made you do that? Because when I met you, you were working at Enterprise, mm -hmm. which I know when we got out out of college. Yeah, yeah, when we get out of college, we all find a job. And then it's kind of like and this is something that's interesting to me, too. When people get out of college, I feel like we find this this job, and it's usually something like retail related. And so many of us either build a career in that, or mm-hmm. we use it as a stepping stone. And you use that as a stepping stone. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because I I so when I was an undergrad, I was involved in a multicultural center. Um, I was involved through a, I was a peer mentor. I mean, if I list all the stuff that I was involved in, I just, as, as a kid, I've always been like with my parents. I've always been involved, even in high school. Like in high school, I was. Um, I went to Bodine. Shout out to Bodine if anybody listens. <laughs> um, but I went to Bodine when I was there. I was a class VP. Um, it wasn't a lot that I did as far as, you know, I mean, being a 17-year-old, it wasn't a lot of clubs and stuff like that. But I was a part of mock trial and stuff. And I just genuinely always found myself involved. Um, when I went to Westchester, I was a mentee in the program um, where it was a peer mentor program through the Office of Multicultural Affairs where our first year students are matched up with a junior or senior um, student of color who is a leader on campus who exemplifies what it is to be a mentor and be a student leader. Um, And so really kind of just talking about that program itself, it's really a program designed to help our multicultural students um, be retained at the university after their first year, because that's very important, their first year transition. Mm -hmm. But I mean, most importantly, graduate, because throughout your first year in that mentoring program, you're connected to resources, you're connected to support services, you are involved on campus. Those are all things that I would say um, are important to any first year student, especially me as a first gen student. I'm in the first in my family to go to college on my dad's side, second in my, my mom's side. And so I didn't really know how to navigate all that. And mm-hmm. so... Um, when I was an undergrad, I became a mentor. I was VP of different organizations like NAVA. Um, I was involved in different organizations like Black Men United, Black Student Union, Latin American Student Association. I was attending all of those programs. And so for me, um, I just loved the office. And so I think from when, when I started going, I mean, when I was there, um, I, I fell in love with the people I met. I, that's how I got involved. Um, that's how I met people. I, I earned a scholarship through going through the Multicultural Center. I got the Board of Governors Scholarship because I was involved in admissions, and I worked in admissions. I loved working with people and talking and stuff like that. And I also put myself through myself out there as far as stepping out my comfort zone, doing tour guides, because public speaking is not my thing. Like, I don't like it. And people say I do well in it, but 
deep down my anxiety of being in front of so many people m- makes me nervous like I've, crazy. I feel like you do really good with it people say that all the time yeah. but y'all have no idea what i have to go through in order to get myself on stage to like point. i had to meditate and i got to call myself and then my one, my mentor always told me do the superman pose before you get up there all those things are really things that i have to do in order to prepare myself um and so do I graduated. Do, that, do you do that now, the Superman pose? I do it <laughs> occasionally. Like here, I'm in a safe space. Yeah. Like, you know, but when I have the done, I do speeches in front of people, I literally go in my office, I close my door, and I stand there for like two seconds, and it, it helps. <laughs> and I remember I also, also, another safe space for me that, that works is practicing in the shower. Like, I be spe- oh, practicing sure. my speech, yeah. blah, blah, blah. In the mirror doesn't really work for me. I know people say that that doesn't work for me personally. Um, but yeah, I graduated from Westchester and. I always told myself as soon as I graduated, damn, I want to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I make that a job? Like, how do I make that a living wage to be a mentor for students? Because I loved my experience as a peer mentor. Like, I, just, I was a mentee. I, I transitioned into a mentor. My mentees were really, really tight with me, and I was tight with them, and I was making sure that they were good. And so I'm like, how do I make that a career? So I started looking at Big Brother, Big Sister. Mm-hmm. Um and it's crazy. I didn't get the big brother, big sister role. I don't know why. And so I applied. You know, I, I did too. And you I you didn't, didn't get it? No. So, and it's crazy. I found out, this, I had interviewed for big brother, big sister the same day that we found out Michael Jackson passed away. Okay. So that was what, 09, I think. Um, I forget what year that was. Or 2009, yeah. Because I remember I was working at PNC Bank over the summer. It was winter, I mean, it was summer break. I was before going into my year. I was already coming to mentor. Like, I want to be a big brother, big sister. And then I tried again and I still didn't get it. And I'm like... Yo, what is it like? Why, mm-hmm. like, am I not good enough to be a big brother, big sister? Because I wanted to give back, and so that was going to be my way into becoming a mentor, working for Big Brother, Big Sister as a career. And I thought that would be like my my thing. And I don't think I ever told nobody that, but I was just like, damn, I didn't get picked. Like, I what? Know the and it's weird because I'm one of those people that like I, I've always been like very lucky. Like when it came to like if I wanted to do something, like I always right. got it. And when I yep, applied for me. the, yep, and it didn't work out in my favor. It, it was, like, mind-boggling to me because I'm like, you know, I have that whole mentality. Like, well, is there a loss? Is that in the third? But at the same time, it's just like, but, but why didn't I? Know? Right. And then you start seeing other people get it, and it's just like, like, why not me? And I just, I never really got yeah. answers as to why because, I, ne- I you know, I didn't really I've never wire, really been like, I've never really been um, rejected from a job. Same. And so there's only one job that I remember, and I think I have really good reason for why I, was, I didn't get it. I remember when the gallery had finish line. And I used to want to work at Finish Line over the summer when I was looking for for jobs over the summer when I was an undergrad. And I applied and I got an interview and I was hyped because I was like, oh, I'm going to finally get like this sneaker job. I'm going to get sneakers and discount it and blah, blah, blah. And something happened that day where I showed up super late to that interview. It was mm. really bad traffic on 76. My dad had took me, but I still showed up. I wanted to see if I can at least try to, you know, interview and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't get it. Of course I didn't because I was so late to that job. And of course, they didn't really probably see it that way. But then a year later, I applied for the next summer to plug, and I got an interview. Got there on time. And I, mind you, I went in a suit and tie, like mm-hmm. thinking, all right, I'm going to get this because I really want to show them that I got it. I felt like I interviewed well. I had my resume. Like, I did everything that I needed to do. Still didn't get it. Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, like, that's the one job I've never really, I, like, that's the one, the first time ever that I applied to a job. Out of all the other stuff, I mean, as a kid, that I was just like, Damn, I didn't. I didn't get that call, that job, mm-hmm. and so I was like, maybe they they realized that the first time because I interviewed with the same guy again, but I didn't think he would remember me. Um, but I still had the opportunity to interview, and I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, well, what did I do different? I mean, wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I always was kind of hard on myself when it came to interviewing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I I graduated from Westchester, and I just didn't know what it was. So luckily, I had when I was in my last semester, my senior year, I applied for the Disney College program. 
Um, and I worked at Disney World. Yes. And so I was the only one out of my cohort as far as my class at Westchester that actually went. And I was petrified because I Orlando was a big jump, like going all the way to Orlando, kind of being on my own. Even, although I had my aunt that lived there, my cousins that lived there as well. It was my first time of really away from home. And so although I lived at Westchester, um, I came home every weekend. Like I worked on weekends at the Gap um, at Fr- in Franklin Mills at that time. And so I didn't really spend most of my college career spent up on weekends at Westchester. Like I always came home Friday, came back Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And so it was very rare for me to stay on the weekends um, unless I was working. I wasn't working. And that never really happened. So. I come home, um, and so this will be my first time not coming home. And so I did the internship. I applied for it. It was a very easy interview. It was an assessment. Um, then they had a phone interview, and that was it. You got it. And it was either you got it or you don't. And so, yeah, I was ecstatic. I was like, Disney World, I had a good time. I worked at um, World of Disney, which is like the biggest Disney store on Disney property in Orlando, mm-hmm. and worked in merchandise. And I think I got that job based on my experience at Gap because I was working in merchandise at that time. So in my head, I'm thinking it seems like my college career is going to be in um, in retail because I've had Gap, I've worked at Sears, I worked in the bank, and so I kind of figured I was like, I'm gonna be working at Disney World. So my internship was wrapping up. I had always heard about Enterprise. Enterprise was was um, Enterprise was always uh, at my job. I mean, at my on my campus doing interviewing, and I was a part of NABA, which mm-hmm. is the National Association of Black Accountants. And so they were always one of the companies that would come in and recruit students. And I always heard that's a good place to start your career, and blah blah blah. So I started at Enterprise. I was there for like a year and a half. Decided I wanted to go to Orlando. I just I always wanted to go move back because I had a good time in Orlando. Right. Moved back and started working in Enterprise. Then it was time for me to switch. I just I, something. It was just you just know. I just knew it was time, yeah. and it was overwhelming um, at that time. And so I decided to to leave. Um, no job enough, and it was one. Of, I had one of them days. Not to downplay Enterprise, but I, just, I my management on in Orlando was bad, and so. It got to the point where I was just like, I'm fed up. I, I can't do it anymore. So I quit the same day. Horrible decision as a 22, 23-year-old <laughs> to just say, I'm going to leave with no guaranteed job. Right, right, right. But I had an interview with Geico, um, and I felt really good about it, and I felt like it would be a good transition. Coming from Enterprise to work in car rental, so I, I mean, in car insurance. So I worked at Geico in Orlando or Lakeland. Um, and so then my mom um, got sick. She had aneurysm back in October of 2013. And so I was mortified. Like, that was the first time that my mom has ever gotten that sick. Right. I decided I needed to come home and, and take care of her. So I came back home, moved back. Luckily, I was able to transfer with Geico to the Jersey office and worked at Jersey. And then this is like my two, three-year mark um, of post-undergrad. And so... I thought maybe, okay, I'm going to be working in claims. Maybe claims is going to – I think it's funny because every job that I've had, it seems like, oh, this is going to be it. Like this is going to be my job or my field that I'm going to be thriving in. And so um, I thought, okay, I'm going to be working in insurance, and insurance is going to be my career after undergrad, and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so I didn't really evaluate it. Is that really what I want to do? No, but I was having fun. I was making good money at the time for a 23-year-old living at home, and so I was able to save money and stuff like that. And I decided um, my friends are starting to graduate from undergrad. I mean, from from grad school. My friends are starting to graduate from law school. And so I'm just like, where do I go next? Like, how do I level myself up to the next level? And I was like, maybe I should look into a master's program because I told myself in undergrad, I would never go back to school. I think my really? my last senior, my last semester of senior year was very stressful. I was stressed like 
I took six classes because I wanted to make sure I graduated within four years and not four and a half. Like I was really trying to go for a May graduation and I didn't want to stay for a semester extra. How do you Um, feel about like so someone else who's listening to this and they hear you say that the whole because I'm the same way where it's like I got to I cannot be here for five years, four and a half years. Do you think that that's still important now? Like looking back on it, do you think that like if somebody said to you, like, how important is it to graduate in four years? Like, could I do five or six years? Like, what would you say to them? I I think I had the wrong um, perception of it because I think now when you look back at it, ain't nobody asking whether or not you graduated in four years or four and a half uh-huh. years. All they want to know is, is you graduated. Exactly. So I think people, I had the mindset that I needed to rush it. And then it's like, I now now that and that's a good question because now I look at it as a professional who worked in a campus environment and doesn't now I see students who are like yo I need to graduate I got to get out of here and I'm just like do not rush going into adulthood what's the rush because I'm like and I get it there there's certain circumstances that a lot of people are going to have as far as bills and having to find their space and not everybody has a household that is welcoming to I say yep. take your time and and we'll be here blah 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 some people want you out of the house mm-hmm. and so um, when I look back at it, if you have a time to take to to not rush it, don't because nobody has ever asked me, did you graduate in May or did you graduate in December nobody as a cares. job? Yeah. Nobody cares. And so here I am. I just wanted I always wanted the the football graduation on the field and being outside and being a part of a large class because I came from a small high school. But none of that really matters. Like nobody's really rushing um, to graduate. And so I'm like a lot of and then. Well, now and day, I think if you I wish somebody would do a study on what the percentage of students, specifically our population of black and brown students are as far as depression after graduation, Mm -hmm. because I don't think I was depressed because I had the internship lined up. But there's so many people right now that I know students of mine that graduated who are like, I don't know what's next. Like, I think a lot of people go into this perception that they have to graduate and they have to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, like find an opportunity as far as something that, you know, um, and, and I think a lot of people dwell on graduating and making sure that they graduate with a career that's paying 50 plus thousand dollars a year. I think that's everybody's goal. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, I mean, I don't know realistically what the ideal salary is, maybe 60 for everybody. But when I first started out of grad school, my enterprise job was paying, I think, 36, 34. Mm-hmm. And so it just it was a good stepping stone for me. And I think a lot of people realize that they just because you have a degree that you can skip these steps. But. If you can start something as a best, a resume builder, connect, or at least give you the flexibility of working and solidifying, I mean, making money, but still making time to 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 or to curate your goal, mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, um, I agree. Because I know there's a lot of I, like one of my friends that I talk to now that was a former student of mine that has become like a little sister to me. She's like she just finished grad school and and has her journalism degree, and I was like. Although you have it, don't start looking for like director roles right away just because you have it because you may not have that experience. But which sucks, but right, which sucks. That's the reality. But you know, you 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 have the foundation of being able to live at home. Your parents are very supportive, and you have a supportive family as well as friends. And so, start with a coordinator role so you have the coordinator experience, and then start working on independent projects so that way you can build it. So that this time between this year, this year and next year, you can then look for director positions because. Some people are hiring people with director for director positions that don't have a entire year, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so just kind of fast forward where I was at um, when it came to, to working, I um, what was it? Damn, what was I at? Um, yeah, I, I, I worked at Geico. I mean, at Enterprise. I mean, I was I was uh, working at Enterprise, switched to Geico, and then I just decided I needed to go to grad school. And so 
I always, my friends always told me HR was a good route for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do in HR. Um, in undergrad, I was a uh, marketing major when I first started undergrad. Then the recession happened, and I was like, I fell back, and I was like, marketing ain't probably going to get me a good role or a good job around this market because a lot of people are losing jobs and things like that at that time. So I switched to accounting because I know accounting had good money. Once you leave accounting, you'll make good money. But I could barely get through accounting, dumb classes. <laughs> it was too hard. It just wasn't my type of math, and I love math. So I thought this would be a good field, but I didn't. I, I sucked at it. Like I right. was horrible in class, and of course I had part in it that I didn't study and I didn't do well. But I knew um, deep down that accounting probably wasn't going to be something that. And I kept telling myself that I'm going to love accounting, mm -hmm. and I kept looking at videos. I would watch. Um, American Greed or whatever that show is, and I would be like, oh, I want to do fraud accounting. That was my thing. And so I took this one uh, cost behavior on accounting class or cost and cost accounting. I butchered. It was my first F in college. Um, and I was like, this ain't it. So I switched to business, which was like a generic uh, route of all the different fields in business and stuck with that. And so I had that degree. And so I was like, I'm going to go for HR. So Westchester had an HR program under their MPA, public administration program, and decided to do that. Um, it was an okay program for me. Like, I mean, I like I. I don't think I got everything that I wanted out of it. Like now Westchester has its own MS and HR, which I wish I would have had instead because my HR classes were more of electives or concentration than it was the entire degree. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took a step back and said, I can't work at Geico no more. Like I, had, I got to my point at Geico. And I think this is a bad habit of me that when I work at a, a job that I don't like or I'm fed up with, I just automatically, I'm burnt out. And I was burnt out at Geico. I was mm -hmm. burnt out at Enterprise. And so... I decided to get, to remove myself from that space, and so no That's job. Like a good thing though, it's a good I mean, thing. I know it's bad when it's like you got to pay bills and all that kind of stuff like that. But like, I think one of the issues that so many people fall into is that like we feel like because we have all these things that we have to take care of, we have to deal with the jobs or whatever that right. like we that are not taking care of mm -hmm. us. So I I left there in April. I wasn't working from like April. I was. Um, Oh, what was it? I was there and I left in April and I didn't work until August. Like, I don't even know how I think I had money saved up and it worked out for me. Like, again, having the foundation at home, like I, I really had some loving parents that said, don't worry. I mean, I never my parents never charged me rent and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Um, and I know that's not everybody's situation. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be clear of that as well. But my parents were really, very helpful throughout that transition because they knew I was in grad school. I was overwhelmed with classes, trying to juggle a full time job. And I was a full time student. So I'm taking three classes and I'm also commuting from Jersey all the way to Westchester every night. Um, and another thing that was taking a toll on me was that I couldn't take get there early, leave early. I had to work 8 to 4.30, and I had to take vacation in order to leave early, like my PTO, in order to leave two hours early because it was taking me two hours to get to Westchester um, in the afternoon with traffic. So it, I was just burnt out. Um, but I then decided in August a role opened up, a second position opened up for a graduate assistant in the same office that put me in as far as a multicultural center, and I took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And so I was nervous because I didn't know nobody. Luckily, my sister was at Westchester as a student at that time, so I was able to to, to talk to people. But then one of my friends, Patrick, um, who was a freshman when I was a senior, who I became a really good friends with at that time, he had told me, yo, there's an, a second position in opening up. Reach out to Karita, who was my supervisor before I left as an undergraduate, as a mentor. And she, I loved her. Me and her were super tight. Um, 
She was the associate director, and Skip, who was the director, was my staff mentor as an undergrad. Okay. So I had a relationship with them. And so once she found out I wanted to apply, she's like, listen, I would love for you to uh, to be in the office because you understand the office. You were a good worker as an undergrad. And I didn't burn no bridges. Like, And I think that's one thing I think with my students is that I'm, you might leave this role, but please make sure you don't leave the job with a burnt bridge where you leave on, on a bad note. Um and so I tell people that all the time to make sure that when you leave a role that you don't burn a bridge and that you still keep in contact with a former employee because that might person might be a, a recommendation for you. That person might eventually work in the same um, space with you or know somebody that can connect you. And that recommendation is going to mean a lot when when uh, when it comes to another career. So. Yeah, I worked in the Multicultural Center as a graduate assistant. I worked at the Multicultural Center. I worked in the, um, I mean, I worked with the mentoring program with matching people and training and things like that. And then I worked uh, with advising the multicultural organizations that we had. And so um, it was that. I, I graduated in May. I was there for a year. Loved the students that I worked with. All mm-hmm. the students were cool with me. Um, and then I didn't have a job because I, I, at that time, I, my graduate assistantship was over. Around late August, I was freaking out because I'm like, I need to find a job. Like, yeah. I don't have, I have a master's, I have an undergrad, I have really good experience, but I don't know what I want to do next. And so my supervisor career at that time had decided she was leaving Westchester to pursue another career and they needed to hire somebody right away. And so she's like, listen, I think you would be perfect to fill, fill in my role. I trust you as far as um, taking over. And um, long story short, luckily I was able to to go into the position as interim associate director of the Multicultural Center, which is not usual. You don't typically see anybody come from under, I mean, from graduate school, graduate and just go right into an associate role. You typically go into a recruiter, I mean, a coordinator role Mm -hmm. or an assistant director role and then jump into associate. But um, the connections that I had made with with the staff as a GA, a lot of people trusted me and knew my work and alumni. Like I knew the office, I knew the students, what they wanted. So it was a perfect match. And so I was able to go into multicultural affairs, but I never would have thought going from um, Disney to Enterprise to Geico to working in, in diversity and inclusion. Um, but it was the goal. It was my job. Like what I wanted to do was mentor students. I just didn't know. I think at that time that higher education was how I was going to be able to do that as a job. Okay. And so that's how I landed Multicultural Center. And then at some point recently, mm-hmm. you were like, okay, like my time here at Westchester's done. You were without a job for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I, I really wanted to touch on. I think you touched on it a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but like it's something that for me is like very important because you were without a job for how many months? Seven months. Seven months without mm-hmm. a job. And at some point, like, yes, at the beginning, it's fine. Maybe even the first three months, it's like no issue at all. Like, this is great. Like, I'm I'm fine. I have money saved, like mm-hmm. whatever. But then at some point, like, it starts to hit you that, like, I don't have a job and I need to figure this out. Like, how did you manage to get through that? I There's a lot of di- different things as to um, how I was managing. Like, I, I, I left my job in June um, and then I start my new job, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit later, is in February. And so... I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I was stressed out. I had this happy face and I made it seem like I was cool. But deep down inside, I was really like nervous mm-hmm. because every I kept seeing like there were so many posts that read to me. Like there was people that would post stuff on Instagram. Your time is coming. And there's no real ETA on those posts. Yeah. And so 
but I knew that's what it meant. Like, and I would pray, and I'm like, maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm not praying what I what I what exactly I need to pray. Like, I remember my friends would be like, "Yo, you need to specifically ask God to." And I'm not trying to get religious or nothing, but one of my friends, my my best friends, told me, "You need to ask God to ordain your steps." And I was like, "Maybe that's why I'm not." specifically landing what I want or getting the interviews that I want because I'm not specifically asking for what I want in prayer. It would just be more of like, hey, you know, What's it would be like, it's me. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> like, what do you got? Like, you know, is this what's next and things like that. And so it was a lot of prayer at night um, and in the morning. And then I was getting phone calls here and there. I would get like, you know, I would get uh, we would like to talk to you. So it's time to talk. I remember Google had reached out to me and I was like, oh, my God, this yeah, is it. I can't yeah. blow this. I blah, blah, blah. And so I interviewed. I fumbled. I think I fumbled personally as far as the interview. And then I didn't get the I didn't get it. And so they they decided to move on. So that was a hurt piece. But then there was a bunch of then there was a lot of, oh, my God, I can't I wish I would have I could have kept an Excel sheet of what jobs I applied to and how many denials I got. Because I, Dex, I lie to you not. Like, I probably got, like, 500 denials between did, now and last year. I did when I first graduated from undergrad. Like, and I really just knew that I, I, I knew I was going to get, like, hired right away into, like, a TV or radio mm-hmm. studio. Like, I just knew that was happening. And it wasn't happening. So I collected all the um, the rejection letters. So it was like, one day, this is going to, like, mean something. Because, like, I'm where I want it to be. Right. By the time I finally got here, I deleted those rejections. Because it was just depressing after a while. Like, yeah. I, it's, it's a lot. It was times where I didn't even open the email all the way up because I already knew it was automated. And mm-hmm. so I was just like, up, oh, delete. Like, I didn't even bother to read it because, I mean, th- most of those emails are all automated. But it was just like, sorry to regret. Or I remember there was one time, like, or the, the plenty of times where you upload your resume and then you upload your employee employment history, which we all hate um, oh, because it's no, just so yeah. time consuming. And then getting a rejection email five minutes later, like, oh, um, I've been there. Oh, my God, that would drive me up a wall because I'm just like, I did all this. And then so, yeah, I, I applied to jobs. My friends, I had a really good uh, group of friends who would uh, recruit me to, or not recruit me, but refer me to other people would be like, yo, this is a good opportunity and do this and do that. And nothing and it just didn't play out. Um, because I think what I was trying to do, so what I, what I realized in my undergraduate, I mean, my, in my multicultural experience career was that I wanted to work in tech. Like I just, I always wanted to, to be curious about that industry, what mm-hmm. that may look like. But I also understand that there is a missing, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, that population of students or, or that gener or underrepresented population is very miss is not represented well in tech and so i just felt like i needed to that's my next step i wanted to to work there in tech and help work with more with getting more black and brown students um involved in tech and landing stem careers and things like that and so that's what was my purpose in regards to switching industries from higher education to tech um because i just know there was a need for help and so my love for diversity and inclusion and multicultural affairs is what really you know pursued me to to want to pursue this kind of career and so i started looking at university recruiter roles i started looking at any kind of recruiting program management and diversity inclusion um things that i knew i could do but because of tech and understanding that most of these tech companies that i'm applying to are one in thousands of applications Mm -hmm. and so how hard is it for me to to have somebody look at over my resume and blah 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 and so or give me a chance because a lot of things I knew I went to do recruitment and I did recruitment in my field in some kind of way, but I didn't do it actively. Like I wasn't doing tabling events. I wasn't doing um, using the applicant tracking system like they wanted, but I was still recruiting. It just didn't look the same way in like higher ed. Right. And so, of course, those were the opportunities that I was missing out on as far as work. Um, but as far as everything else, I mean, I, I 
I felt like I did it. Like I knew what I would do. It wasn't going to be a hard job or something that I would have came in the first day and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I would know how to, I can come up with a strategy to get more students of color to come to an event. I can come up with a strategy on how to get more students of color to look at Westchester. And I've done a lot of that stuff at Westchester um, in different capacities. But when it came to tech, I, they didn't see it in my resume. And so it was a lot of frustrating, but it was a lot of denials. It was a lot of, of, of that. And so it was applying, but it really came down to my village. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy because I hear the word village a lot between this year and last year. I was in church today and my little nephew just got dedicated to church. And so his parents had put up, it was like, um, uh, it takes a village. And it literally does because it's like, we're all here. Like, you know, it's going to be a time when he's going to need something. And it's like, although I'll be on the West Coast at that time, whenever he needs something, I'll still be able to connect. And so, yeah. you know, his parents... Um, my friends Brittany and, and Ismail, who are brothers and sisters to me, they know that they can reach out to me if they need something, and I can reach out to them or whatever. Like these are people that I pray with. These are people, that, and they were the two that invited me to church that got me back into church. And so, because I felt I felt a, a, a misconnection with my religion, I wanted to get back into it. And so, they invited me to church, um, and then I started going. And then um, my other brothers and sisters, as far as friends in, in that, were involved and. There was different things that they would like connect me with, like yo, you should check this out, or they would have friends that need that um, that need help or something or marketing. They would help. They would reach out to me, and I honestly think between these seven months, it w- it was my village. Like yeah. I had my parents who 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 laid the foundation and, and were able to provide a, a home for me at that time, but I had friends that I prayed with that. They prayed for me when I didn't ask for it, mm-hmm. and so um, they would go to stuff with me, or they would go out and say, "Listen, if you don't feel comfortable going by yourself, I'll go with you," or if there was something that they wanted to do, I was there to. It was a, it was very hand in hand, and yeah, so like how it should be. It's right. It's it, it's it, that's amazing. First of all, and also like I really admire the transparency. Like I promise you, like somebody who knows you, like I don't think I seen. I don't think I saw this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think. I, not that you hid anything, but I think it was just. When people say like you don't know what people are going through, right. or whatever, like I, that really does mean a lot. And I think like today, like your transparency is like it's very inspiring. To yeah. Me. No, and I mean it, it. It was just crazy because it was just like there was plenty of times where I was just like I. Uh, I remember I got one rejection letter and I was like, this is it. Yeah. I told my friend Justin I was like, listen, like this ain't for me. Like I had I had to come back and maybe revisit this dream of mine of working in tech later on. He's like, yo, like you can't let a denial letter stop you from applying to other jobs. Like you got to keep applying. And he was one of those that was very influential in helping me get to where I am now with my with my new job because he really was like, there were times where I get like deep down, I'd be like depressed about it. I'd be like, yo, I'm, I got another denial. Nothing's coming up. And I'm like reach, reaching the end of my, my journey of not having a job where mm-hmm. I need to be like, it's time for me to find something, something like ASAP. Yeah. And so I started thinking like, what am I going to do next? Like, do I... Um, and not to downplay any careers, but I'm just like, man, maybe I have to go back to work at Gap just to make some money on the side in order to, to pay bills. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, I got a car note. I still got insurance and things to pay for. And so I can't not be without a job. And so I'm just like, it seems like, you know, um, part of me should have stayed at Westchester and applied for the permanent position, not knowing whether like or not. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like, maybe that's what I need to do. But I was like, I didn't. I was tired of being in the environment. Like I was exhausted. I didn't want to go back. Um, and so I was just like, I need to get back. And so it was, I mean, I tried to, to not show people that side of me as far as being upset and things like that. But I had some nights where I was just like. And, and we've all been there. Yeah. So, like, it's very relatable. But I, I, I too, I can agree with that. Like, I, right. I tried very hard to not show people that it was, like, affecting me. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, 
for you, um, you said this a lot. You said this word, this phrase, like a lot too, which is really interesting to me. But you, you said what's next, which mm-hmm. is something that I ask everybody on every show. I say like what's next, and for you, I know what's next is that you went from Westchester to the West Coast, mm-hmm. which is what I'll probably name this episode, Westchester mm-hmm. to West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us, like, what is next for you? So I recently accepted a role at Facebook um, in uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'll be working as a sourcer. Um, so my my basically my dream job where I get to the I the great thing about this program is that I'm going to be a part of a program at Facebook where I get to learn the ins and outs of being a recruiter and how to successfully do it. So what I get to do is I as a sourcer, sourcers typically work directly under a recruiter and helping build pipelines of different candidates for different roles that we're trying to fill. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good first step because this program is for people who don't have recruiting experience, direct recruiting experience, but show potential to be a really good recruiter and so I interviewed for the position and it's crazy how I got that because it was through LinkedIn like I promise you LinkedIn was a really big source for me as far as finding a job because what I did and I tell anybody to do this like I was telling a couple of my friends was I started following and connecting sometimes people don't connect right away because they don't know you mm-hmm. but I started you can follow people's content or their activity on LinkedIn um without having to connect, without having to be a friend. So I was able to connect. I started following people of roles that I wanted to do. So I found university recruiter roles at Facebook. I found I was following people who were in diversity and inclusion at different tech companies. I started following the head of culture and diversity and inclusion at different roles because I think my five or six year mark is I want to be the head of diversity and inclusion okay. at a tech company. And so I wanted to see what they were, what articles they were reading. I wanted to see what articles they liked, what articles they were um, challenging thoughts for. Um, and then also just kind of putting myself ahead of uh, in, in, in that space. So I always recommend tell people like, yo, if you don't connect with them, just follow their activity. It yeah. sounds creepy. It no, does. No, no, I get it. It makes sense. Though. Right. Because especially the way LinkedIn works. Like, right. That's actually really good advice. So I, I genuinely started following people. And I remember somebody, one of the university recruiters on Facebook that I wasn't connected with had posted something and said, this is a great opportunity for people who are not recruiters, who want to be a recruiter um, to take a part of this program. And so I applied. Um, I submitted my interview, I mean, my resume and, and blah, blah, blah. They emailed me like, hey, we would like to talk. Had the conversation, interviewed, had two interviews back to back on Skype uh, with, with two different people. And then like right day, was it after Christmas or before Christmas? Right after Christmas, they, they told me, they were, or right before Christmas, they decided um, we would like to offer you this role. Nice. And so I start February 3rd in Menlo Park. I'll be in Menlo Park for a week at the headquarters, learning all the ins and outs. And then I transfer over to the San Francisco office. Um, it's yeah. a one-year program. But the goal is after the one-year performance base, um, if I do well, all, I can go for full-time positions um and things like that that is amazing i'm super proud of you thank you, thank like, you. I'm, that is amazing that's the type of stuff that you want to hear that's literally this whole process this whole interview was 100 percent the reason why i created this show because i just feel like we grow so much more by like sharing our stories right. with each other mm-hmm. so thank you again for and coming today thank you for having the space because i think i mean i i always was like you know i think there's there's so many things that people are doing that are doing well and it's like they're not highlighted and so but there's also different things that you can learn from everybody yes. like I mean I don't I don't expect everybody to take everything away and say oh I learned all this but like the one thing that I suggest and tell people is like yo follow people of roles that you want to do because honestly like I I you'd be surprised at how much stuff these people put up or 
challenge or and you'd be like, oh, I never saw it that way. And so just trying to change your perspective on different things. But that really helped me out a lot in finding my role. And so connecting with people. Um, I'm in a mentor through LinkedIn, which is dope yeah. and things like that. But I, I'm genuinely happy to say that it that it worked out. Um, and so I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm nervous about going to Cali. I've always wanted to go to Cali. Yeah, so I've been saying like that. That's your dream spot. I know. I've always wanted to be in Cali for like I've. Rem- it's funny because my Facebook status is a, a couple. Uh, a couple of days ago, my memory showed up that I can't wait to move to Cali. Isn't it crazy? It's crazy, right? And so that I initially thought my day would take me a year to get to Cali. It took me five years. So I think some people think that you, you have to do something right away. No, it might take time. It may not take five years. It might take a year or two. It might take six months. But but if you keep at it, it'll happen. Yep, keep, keep going at it. Yep. For sure. Yep. Now, um, at the close of every show, I always ask my guests for their puzzle piece. Now, the puzzle piece is just like a word of advice or like a mantra that you use that somebody else could use to kind of like you know give themselves like some type of like light at the end of the tunnel what would you say is your puzzle piece i don't want to sound cliche and saying don't give up um because that's honestly what i what i what i wouldn't because i there was times where i wanted to give up um and things like that but i what i would say would be my puzzle piece for me was i don't want to say don't give up but that's the only thing that's really coming to mind because um i got to the point i mean i think it 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 it, I think it comes down to your village, like who you're around um, and understanding that because there was times where friends would send me stuff unsolicited. It, not that I didn't care it, to wanted it or nothing, but it just felt like they needed to send it to me. And so it was crazy because I remember I had friends who would send me a post like, yo, your time is coming, blah, blah, blah. And it really started to hit home for me. December, when everybody started posting them 2020 uh, mm-hmm. posts, like 2020 is your year. And I'm just like, oh, this sounds like it's going to be me. Like I'm going to flourish. I would look at award shows and their award substances would say the same exact thing would be like, I almost gave up, but I didn't. Like, I look at when people talk about Oprah Winfrey getting her first role and and doing that and um, 2 Chains releasing an album at 32 or whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be and blowing up. And I'm just like, I'm still young. I think we all have this mindset because I I think everybody has this mindset that you graduate college at 21, you'll be married at 25, you'll have kids before 30. And I'm 30 now and I'm just like, I'm still not there. Like I'm nowhere (laughs) near having kids or getting married or anything, anything like that at all. Um, But I didn't give up. And I think that was that's what I think my my puzzle piece was. Um, But I think not giving up, but also having the right village. Like I have friends that really looked out for me more than I would have expected. And so I think that's what kind of held me together. And finally, where can people find you on social media? Because honestly, I think people are going to want to see. First, if you want to see his Instagram and stuff like that, period, because it's very funny, especially on Twitter. He's, he's very funny. But also, I think like following you would provide so much inspiration. Now, I, I feel like I've known you for years, but like after talking to you today, I look at you in a total different light. Like, and I'm so excited to see like what's next for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I definitely will. I always say connect on LinkedIn. Um, Hyro. My whole name is on. No, is it? Not Jay, right? <laughs> no, it's not Hyro Escobar on there for sure. I think it's my professional whole name, Hyro Hinnell, J A I R O H E N E O. And if you want to follow on Instagram, um, I don't put nothing crazy on there. Um, Esco, no, Colombian.king. So, and remember, everybody, Colombian is C O L O M B I A N. Ain't no you in Colombia. You know, a lot crazy? of people love when saying that. When I try that. to tag you into stuff, I'm like, I don't know what it is. Columbia, that's South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina, Columbia, but the whole country is all O's. I can't stand when people put U's in, in Columbia when they try to reference the, the country. Um, but, yeah, you can find me of those. Uh, it's funny because I j- had deactivated my Facebook for, like, a year. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to get off of this. Um, and then they asked me for my, my Facebook uh 
my Facebook uh, link. And I'm like, well, do they really need that? <laughs> so I went back. I had to ch- I, I got rid of Escobar on on Facebook. Um, but then I started going back to delete them undergrad posts that, yes. I, that shouldn't be on there. Yeah. I also deleted pictures and I started deleting friends. And I was like, oh, we don't need to be friends on here. It's crazy how this whole conversation just went full circle because <laughs> because like when 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 my fiance was like, you just change your name on Facebook because people look for your stuff on Facebook and I, and and that's exactly yeah. what you did. Like it's it is. Crazy yeah, I went from Hyro like, Escobar yeah. to. I think Jay Hanel now. Mm-hmm. I didn't put my whole name because I just I don't feel if I feel iffy about. I mean I know the government and my FBI agent assigned <laughs> to my phone already knows my my whole story, but it's crazy. I went from Hiro Escobar, this random Facebook name, straight up real quick. So now I'm I'm an employee of Facebook and also changed my name to my my real name on Facebook too. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, Hiro Hanel, thank you so much for thank coming you. in once thank again, and good luck in the future. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Industry Friends. I am the host, Dexter Stuckey. If you liked what you heard, do me a favor and rate the show. Subscribe to the show. Review the show. Repost the show. Please tell your friends about it. I really appreciate it. Industry Friends, your audio foot in the door. Industry Friends. Friends.